Today, I'm excited to share a conversation with Mary Lou Rodriguez. Mary Lou is a certified master hypnotherapist licensed with the National Guild of Hypnotists, and her advanced hypnotherapy training incorporates brain-based techniques, breathing tools, brain hacks, and hypnosis to help reprogram that beautiful mind. But she's so much more than that. During our conversation, you're going to find her to be a positive light of love and inspiration for what's possible when we choose to let go of a victim identity and accept full responsibility for the life we're living. No matter what your current circumstances are, you're going to find inspiration in this powerful interview. So stay tuned. You're listening to The Inspired Wave. Stories of everyday heroines, real life inspiration. I'm your host, transformational coach and connection catalyst, CJ Rivard. Join me weekly to hear real life inspiration and tips for tackling your life's challenges. Each week, you'll hear from a relatable woman who shares about her struggles and the tools she used to work through them. By being women of courageous action, vision, and ongoing evolution, each of us can create a ripple of positive impact. And together, we'll create a wave of change. Join us. Okay, well, welcome everyone. I am so excited to be here and introduce you to my friend, Mary Lou Rodriguez. She's got an amazing story that she's going to be sharing with us. Welcome, Mary Lou. Here we are. Here we are. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh boy, I am excited as well. To start us off, why don't you tell us where you call home now? Where are you dialing in from? I'm dialing in from Portland, Oregon. So the Pacific Northwest. It's beautiful here. I love it here. Fall is here. The weather is changing, but it's really beautiful still. I have heard that. Boy, we have the coasts covered. We do. (laughs) Being in New England, we have them covered. But that's on my bucket list to visit your region one of these days. I would love to have you come and visit. Love that. Um, So I shared a little bit of an introduction of you and what you do now. Is there anything you'd like to tell us about you just for fun or your life where you are right now? Yeah, I have been dating the most amazing man. We've been boyfriend, girlfriend, partners now for about a year and a half. And so I'm a mama to his pit bull and... (laughs) to his crazy kitty. And we're having fun hiking and laughing and walking and living life and just being grateful for all the beautiful moments. I'm in a really great place in my life right now. So happy for you. And you are glowing. So it's obvious that you're in a good place right now. Fabulous. So, but it has not been that way for too many years. So in sharing your story, why don't you take us back to, I guess, the beginning, how you grew up and uh, what some of the challenges were that you had to eventually work through? Yeah, yeah. So one of my first memories being in the strawberry fields, I was four years old. My parents are immigrants from Mexico. My mom is now passed, but I'm first generation born in the United States. And so my first memories are of being in the strawberry fields or picking cucumbers or picking blueberries. And so I learned really early on 
how to work hard. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then there was all, there was lots of other kinds of challenges. So we were poor and the school that I went to at the time was uh, predominantly Caucasian. So I was one of five Latino students growing at the elementary school that I attended. So I always knew I was different. I knew I was different. My parents spoke Spanish. We drove a horrible car. You know, there was different rules. Like I could not, there was no after school sports that I could participate in. My parents just didn't believe in that. So school was done. I'd come home. I'd start taking care of my younger siblings. So I had lots of responsibilities from a very young age. And I learned that life is hard. I I learned that life is very hard. And I witnessed my parents working two jobs. So it was just a struggle in the very beginning. A lot of struggle. And were you, did you feel like you were treated differently in school or did you just feel different? I did. I did. I remember I was in English as a second language, ESL. And I was in ESL, even though my English was perfect, because I made sure that I realized I was different right away. And so I wanted to be as normal as everyone else. So I mastered English at an early age. And I spoke very little Spanish, even to this day, even though now I want to learn Spanish again and be more proficient in it. So I was treated differently. I remember because we were, we qualified for the free lunch program. Like I remember my ticket. So I'd be pulling out my ticket. I'd be so, I just knew, I knew I was poor. I knew I was different. And That was the way that we grew up. So, yeah. So did you find yourself working harder to be better than the other kids? Or did that lead to the way you navigated through school anyway? Absolutely. Um, Overachiever, perfectionist, mm -hmm. people pleaser. (laughs) Oh, got them all ticked off there. Yeah. Yeah. Always trying to do everything for people to like me so that I could fit in. Yeah, that's just how I grew up. Also, there was a lot of alcohol in my family growing up. My stepdad was an alcoholic. He doesn't drink anymore. But so exposed to just lots of drinking and violence and just a lot of hard things to witness as a child. Mm -hmm. So I learned early on that life is hard. hard. (laughs) Got Mm -hmm. it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So fast forward a little bit then, how did that find you in your young adult years? You were overachieving and where did life take you? Yeah. So life took me to, so I ended up going to Portland State University. So I did receive a higher education, but one of the things that I remember at the time was just never being really happy always feeling like discontent, always feeling like there's more for me to do. There's more for me to achieve. There's more for me to become. There's more for me to have. And I always felt a little bit different. And I began coping by drinking. So during college, you know, noticing that, oh, okay, I didn't drink a lot in high school. I mean, I think that's normal or maybe not. I don't know. But in college, I began to experiment more with alcohol. I didn't really do any other hard drugs, but I just started to notice, oh, when I drink, all my problems seem to go away. Mm. And yeah, so I don't even think in my young adult years that I was happy. And I was always in the pursuit of happiness. Like that was something that I was looking for and didn't know how to find. Did you know you were looking for it even? 
No, not until I decided to get sober. And, and even then I didn't know it was a self-love or self-worth issue. I thought if I could find happiness, (laughs) I was very, I I hadn't done any Mm self-development, you know, so I just thought it was about happiness at the time. Mm -hmm. Which is a great thing to seek as long as it's not at the bottom of a bottle, I guess. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And I started finding a lot of my happiness at the bottom of the bottle. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. how did that evolve or, and, you know, for how long or, you know, where yeah. did that find you as you became more using more alcohol as a crutch? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's not to blame my, my sweet mother who's passed, but I just didn't learn how to process my emotions. I didn't learn how to ask for what I needed. I didn't learn how to know that feeling bad was a normal thing that you can Mm -hmm. feel sad or you can feel upset. You can feel anxious or whatever, that they're not all bad feelings, you know, and especially anger. I used to have a lot of anger. And so I didn't know how to process any of that. So my go-to was always to drink. And when I married, I'm now divorced, but when I met my ex-husband, when things started to get challenging, my go-to was a vodka martini. Like that was how I coped. And, you know, I look back now and I think about my relationship with him and I think about how I just didn't know any better at the time. That's all you can say. You do all you know to do at the time. Do you think like, how did he respond or, you know, was that part of the problem, the alcohol or, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So at some point we stopped drinking together. Like at some point I was always the one that was drinking and, you know, I, that man loved me. We're since divorced, but that man loved me, but he also had a, and I can, I can say this now, but for a long time, I used to take it on. He had a sexual addiction. So he cheated on me and then I would drink, then I would drink and then he would cheat on me. And we were together 12 years. And so um, I used to think that I had something to do with that, that I wasn't enough, that if I you know, was a better wife, it was, if I was a better partner, if I was more desirable, if I was sexier, if I was like, I thought it was all about me. I didn't understand at that time. So I coped with just drinking more. And there was a day after 12 years, he gave me the the biggest gift he could ever give me. And there was a day when he came and I remember being on a bender. So I was the kind of drinker today. I choose a sober life. But at that time, I was the kind of drinker that I, I would drink and I'd go on a bender for days. I'd just drink for days and days. He had left. I didn't even know he had left, but he came back. And he like sat on the bed and I remember opening my eyes and looking up at him and he said, Mary Lou, I'm leaving you. I don't believe in you anymore. And he left. And of all the memories that I don't remember, I remember that one. And so now I know that was the most loving thing he could have ever done for me. And I'm grateful to him that he left so that I could figure out how to get my own life together, you know, how to create my own foundation, how to find what it is that I was looking for at the time. And so, wow, there you go. Thank you, ex-husband. Yeah. (laughs) So then what did you do? It was like, Mm -hmm. he told you he was leaving. 
did you hop right into recovery or mm. yeah, it's never that easy, is it? But I was like, I'll show you. And then I drank, <laughs> and I drank more <laughs> and it took me a while. It took me a couple of years to really hit that rock bottom. It took, you know, I know that this podcast isn't about alcohol and sobriety, but my family stopped speaking to me. My friends stopped speaking to me. Everybody was concerned about me. And so it wasn't until I hit my bottom that I was ready. Mm -hmm. And I remember, yeah, when I remembered the day I decided to get sober, you know, the thing about hitting rock bottom is typically, typically for me, when I hit rock bottom, I should say that for me, when I hit rock bottom, I had nothing left. Like I didn't have a home anymore. You know, it's like, I didn't have things anymore. I had sold everything because I couldn't work because I was drinking so much. Like (laughs) I couldn't even, so I was selling things. I was, I'd gone to a pawn shop for the first time in my life. I'd never been to a pawn shop before. And I pawned my wedding ring, you know, it's just, and which was fine now. I mean, you know, it's like, but it's the story, you know, it's like of how low I had gone in order to, so that was my rock bottom. And when I decided to get sober, I was committed. I was ready. I was just ready. I was like, I'm ready to change my life. Yeah. And you have, did it. So at that point, did it just happen? (laughs) At that point, yeah. So my mom had cut me off and my oh. and and so she started to speak to me when I became sober. And I had six months of sobriety of proving to my mom, okay, I'm ready, I'm committed, I want to be back in your life. Because my mom and I have been very close my whole entire life. So to have her cut me off was a big deal for me. Yeah. And six months after my sobriety and rebuilding that relationship with my mom she had a stroke and went into a coma. And so much of my sobriety was about, and my mom was in a coma for two years. So much of my sobriety was revolved around caring for my mom during that time that she was in a coma. So it was easy for me to be sober because I was so focused on taking care of my mom and doing physical therapy with her and bathing her and changing her and feeding her and, you know, just... Yeah. Yeah. And it was really an honor, CJ, during those two years to be able to care for her, knowing that she was getting the best love. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say what a blessing that you had gotten to the point where you could do that. I mean, timing wise, I'm sure you wish you'd had more time, but you came back to her and she saw you sober and then you were there for her. And that is just... An amazing yeah. gift to both of you, not, to not bo- just to you, but yes, <laughs> to both of you, to both of us. Absolutely. And during that time, I was able to really dive into self-development because there was downtime. Yeah. And then I started learning about Tony Robbins and Dr. Joe Dispenza and Marianne Williamson and Eckhart Tolle. And I started like opening up to this whole world of, of who do I want to be in this world and how do I want to feel? How do I want to show up? So during that time, I could really, it was like such a hard time, but there were so many blessings that came from taking care of my mom those two years. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. I found my Dharma. I mean, so many things that (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, I, it was just a beautiful blessed. I mean, there were so many, there were so many silver linings that came from that time. Wow. So I remember you before we started recording, talking about how you used to feel you used to be a victim. You oh, said, yeah, like the <laughs> mentality. So describe that shift or how that <sighs> came, that came about that you clearly for me, yeah. knowing you the little I do, that is yeah. no longer. Yeah. yeah. How did yeah. that transpire? Yeah. So now I take responsibility for every part of my life, but for a long time, for a long time, I felt like society, the universe, the world, everybody owed me something. I had had a hard life. I grew up poor. I grew up sad. I grew up with abuse, both physically and sexually. Like I grew up feeling like life owed me something. I grew up feeling like I was a victim this happened to me and I am this way because all of this stuff has happened to me. And that's how I live. Not my fault. Right? <laughs> not my fault. Yeah. It's not my fault. I am this way. I am this way and it's not my fault. It's exactly yes. how I lived for a yeah. long time. So was it becoming sober and then your personal development journey that took you was it just getting sober or was it some other teaching you were learning or what took you out of feeling like you were a victim and being yeah. so like, I know you as a lady in charge of your life now, Yeah, you are yeah. in charge. <laughs> I'm in charge of my life now. Yeah. Yes. I take full responsibility. I, you know, there was a couple of things. So sobriety was one of the ways that I began to take charge of my life because I, I was a part of the AA program. And AA for me worked in the very beginning because I needed that accountability. I needed to be able to go to a meeting. I needed a sponsor at that time to be able to call. I needed to have that support in the beginning because I was that kind of drinker. I drank around the clock when I was drinking. And so for me, AA worked in the beginning. And one of AA's steps is all about making your amends. And learning to take responsibility for your life, even though you had all these things happen to you, they teach you to make your amends. And so that was the beginning part of it. I still hadn't grasped it fully. You know, I understood, okay, I, I'm sorry for this and I'm sorry for that, but I, you know, but this did happen to me. Uh Yeah. I had a re I had a good reason. Yeah. Yeah. And, but it was the beginning. It opened the doors for me to understand that nobody's responsible for me, except for me. Nobody's responsible for my choices, except for me. Nobody's responsible for how I feel, except for me. So it's through a coaching program that I joined where I realized that taking responsibility for my life, like what that really looks like. And also the other thing that was big for me is learning about choice because I felt like, and that's also part of taking responsibility. Mm-hmm. I felt like a victim to my circumstances, mm-hmm. you know, and that included my bank account that included where I lived, you know, it's like, I, I didn't understand like how to take responsibility for my life, for my circumstances. If I didn't like something, I could change it. But I didn't know that. I know. So powerful. Once that sinks in. Yes. Wait, you mean I can change this? You mean I don't have to live this way? 
I felt like I was living my life for a long time with a box on my head. I did. I was like, I just, this is how I grew up. So this is how I operate. I didn't question any of my stories that were, you know, I didn't question my inner voice. I didn't question my beliefs. I didn't understand how to question what I was conditioned with either. Because you don't learn differently. You don't understand that it was conditioning. You think it's truth, right? right? That's right. That's right. It's not a belief. It's the truth. It's just the way it is. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, That's powerful. Amazing. Oh, so exciting to see you you sitting there glowing the way you are now after that story. You've come a long way, baby. I have come a long way. I really, really have. And I also realized that happiness. So I was in the pursuit of happiness Mm -hmm. and I didn't know you're going to laugh, but I didn't know that you could choose happiness. I didn't. I thought that happiness was something that you felt because of something happening in your life. And happiness was a bit byproduct of that. I didn't. Why realize. would I laugh? So many people think that. Why would I laugh at that? I have yeah. no clue. And so guess what? I choose happiness. I choose happiness. It's not something that's outside of me. It's something yep. that comes from inside of me, regardless of my circumstances. Doesn't matter. I can still choose it. It's kind of like um, the Wizard of Oz. Dorothy, you had the power all along. It's the truth. Right? (laughs) It is the truth. There's so much wisdom in that. Yeah. It is the truth. Yeah, I love that. So let's see. What a great story. Do you have any tools or habits or other words of wisdom you would share for someone struggling with being stuck in their circumstances, let's say? Yeah. You know, the first thing that I always recommend when I work with people or when I'm asked to talk about something like this to a group is that, you know, I would look at what is really going on in their life, meaning what is it that they really believe? And a lot of times we don't know what we believe. So I tell people, take out a pen, take out a piece of paper and just begin to write down what you believe about yourself because we're starting with self. We think it's about external, but I want to bring it back to self. What do you really believe about yourself? Yep. That's where I start. So I invite people to just take some time to figure out what it is that they really believe. And if it's not empowering, then they can change that. They can change that. And they can change it just by reframing their belief that's no longer empowering and focusing on what it is that they want to believe. I know that, you know, it's, you know, it's like, I know I'm simplifying this, but when we can really look at what it is that we believe about ourselves, then we can have the awareness to change it. Yeah. You have to know it's there first. You have to know it's there. Why aren't I happy? Why, why am I not fulfilled? Why am I sad? You know, it's like really looking at what you believe, because when you can ask yourself the question, why am I not fulfilled? You're going to answer it, (laughs) but we have to ask ourselves the question first. Oh, and when you say, I don't know. Yeah. Dig. what's, What's our favorite mentor say? That's a lazy answer. That's a lazy answer. Yeah. I don't know is a lazy answer. It's the truth. I don't know. Well, think, I want you to think about it. You do know it's whether or not you're really ready to face the truth, but facing the truth is so beautiful because then we can change what we don't like. That's right. I love it. Yep. You gotta, you gotta recognize it first, even if it's, 
not pretty and not what you, you got to recognize it. And then you have the power. I felt like when you were saying earlier something about, and then you can change it. I thought, where's the mic? I need to drop it. (laughs) There it goes. Boom. Right Mm -hmm. there in a nutshell. Yeah. So much great wisdom. So let's finish up the evolution of Mary Lou and tell us how you got to where you are now. Where are you? What do you do? Yeah. And all that fun stuff. Yes. I am, you know, I'm living my amazing life and people go, what does that mean? What does that mean? You know, I'm living my amazing life. I'm choosing happiness. I'm choosing to feel fulfilled. I'm choosing love. So what I do in the world is I'm a master hypnotist. I work with people on reprogramming their beliefs that are in their subconscious. I help people have freedom in their lives, whatever freedom means for them. You know, it's like, whatever that means for you. I help people figure out how to get out of their own way so that they can live their amazing life like I do. And I'm having so much fun teaching people brain tools, doing hypnosis. So I do hypnosis with clients. I have groups now that I work with. I have a membership. I'm serving the world. My intention is to serve and heal the world. That's what I'm doing. And I'm having a blast. And next month, it'll be two years of sobriety, two years of taking responsibility for my life, of making the choice to choose me first, to choose to love me first. I'm getting goosebumps. Congratulations. I mean, two years is not that long. Look at how, I mean, it's like, you know, they took the bricks off your shoulders and you just took off like a rocket. Yeah. I'm flying. Or, or like a butterfly. I see the butterfly, butterfly. behind you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so absolutely. grateful. I'm so grateful I get to do what I love in the world. I'm so grateful that I can see how amazing my life is now. I'm so grateful yeah. that I know how to heal and process my emotions. I'm so grateful that I understand like it really is about this moment, this moment of choosing gratitude, this moment of choosing peace. I could go on. You can tell I get really yeah. into this. Stuff. You do. You are fired up. I get get so passionate about people having freedom in their lives in the way that they want it, whatever that means for them. Like, how do I get out of my own way? Mm -hmm. I want to teach people how to do that. I love it. And you do. And I do. (laughs) And I do. Thank you. And you teach others how to teach that as well, I believe. Yes. You teach. Yes. I'm teaching. Yes. Thank you. I am teaching. Um, I'm teaching hypnosis now. So I've had two groups of students go through my HypnoThrive certification program. So they're certified through the National Guild of Hypnotists. And I'm teaching others how to be incredibly powerful and badass, if I can say that, at changing people's lives. And it's been so much fun. It's so great to be a part of the ripple effect, CJ. It's so powerful. It's so just like, ah. Oh my goodness. That is, yes, we, we are part of the ripple. We that's, are. that's incredible. I love it. Yes. You are changing lives. Yes. Amazing. So Mary Lou, tell everyone how they can learn more about you. And I will absolutely include all the ways to connect in the show notes. Yes. Yes. So you can visit me at MaryLouRodriguez.com. Right now, I am creating a mini masterclass or a mini course, I guess is the right thing to call it, 
on just living your best life and what that really looks like and how to get there and how to overcome those blocks that we think we have. Now they're real for us, but you know, I help people get through that. And so MaryLouRodriguez.com, you can follow me on Instagram at Mary Lou Hypnotizes You. I love it. Beautiful. So honored to be here. Thank you. It's been a pleasure hearing and sharing your story. Very inspiring. I appreciate you and your time and everyone who joined us today. Thanks for tuning in and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye everyone. If you're like most women, you have a big dream on your heart and really want to make a positive impact in the lives of others. But self-doubt, fear, or other limiting beliefs often get in your way. What many women don't realize is that the one thing that can catapult them forward is deepening their self-love and self-esteem. So I have a free ebook for you that's really going to help you in this area. It's called 30 Days to Deepen Self-Love, and you can download it at the link in our show notes. Enjoy. Enjoy.